Hello, everyone. This is Veronica Entwistle. You're listening to Paradigm Shifters. And I like to talk on this show with some people who are making a difference in the way we think, feel, and live on the planet right now. I've got a great person who likes to live beyond the ordinary. His name is John Burgos. And John's uh, an intuitive on his own right and does have all kinds of... uh, uh, what communication with beings of many levels of consciousness and so on. But John, first of all, welcome to the show. And second of all, let's talk a bit about beyond the ordinary before we get into, I'd like to say the ordinary, but we're not going to bother with that at all, are we? <laughs> we're going to make beyond the ordinary the ordinary. Uh, uh, on yeah. a basis. And so we're going to well, step there. So yeah, it's a such an honor and pleasure to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, I'm so glad to talk to you. We've talked before, and I was on your show, Beyond the Ordinary. And what you do there, well, tell people a little bit about what you do, and then we'll get on to what you're doing now and what you're going to be doing. Oh, Beyond the Ordinary. It's, I curate the most amazing speakers all over the globe that has to do everything about these conversations that we have kept in the dark for way too long. And we're bringing it out. We're making these conversations normal. We're exchanging energy. We're, we're demonstrating what's available so that we can embody this potential that we're all awakening to. So, again, I host this amazing leaders, and they tend to be pretty esoteric, if you will, um, from all over the world. And we have conversations and, and share what's available now. Wow. And that really fuels the awakening all over the place, doesn't it? It really does. It's that we've built up such an amazing community and the people that join and listen to, again, the amazing speakers and, and allow me the privilege to, to speak what's coming in through me as well. It's, you can just tell the, the frequency, the rising in consciousness that's being um, affected on the show and through other platforms like ours. You know what I think is really exciting, John, is uh, because of your work and so on, um, that we're fueling that awakening all over the world, right? Feeling it, embodying it, sending it out, talking to people, sending theirs, perking them. Oh, my goodness. It's really a big job, isn't it? <laughs> it's a beautiful <laughs> job. And it's, it's, it's just my life. I can't even call it a job anymore. But what's wonderful, mm-hmm. Veronica, my intention when I started the show God, about nine years ago, um, I became aware of this type of energetic and transformational and shamanic. And again, it's this ascensionary energy um, in a very presumably normal way, trying to do something for my business and raise it. But the business um, work that I was looking into, it quickly turned to personal development and my life changed so quickly from awakening to these energies. And by having this vernacular, and from that spot, it's like, what can I do to share this? Because my community, my circle of friends, the people I was involved with, spoke very little, if at all, about these things that we talk about, you and I talk about so normally now. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to take this and share it with as many people as possible. So instead of going into private practice with it and affecting a few hundred, maybe a thousand people um, in my sphere of influence, it's like, how can I reach the masses? And that was the impetus for starting Beyond the Ordinary Show. If I can gather people from around the world and bring other thought leaders and they can share how they're helping people to ascend and expand in consciousness, then I can really make an impact. And, you know, instead of reaching thousands, we're reaching millions now, which is amazing. 
I love that. You're reaching millions. Woo! Good for you, hey? Yeah, yeah. One um, of the things I love like in this kind of work, okay, is that we're taught we can do this, this, and this, but we are essentially an unlimited species. Would you want to talk about that? Because I think that's just the concept that we are an unlimited, unlimitable species is really kind of an exciting uh, consciousness for me. And uh, one more thing I want to say is, is when we're speaking through the media, for example, when I was first starting to do this work as well, I was so aware if we were sending energy out there and if all the media centers were doing that, oh my gosh, we were fueling yeah. an incredible uh, waking up on the planet. And that's what you're doing. It really is. It's we're definitely doing that work. You're you're such a beautiful part of that as well, Veronica, of what you're sharing and putting out. It's I think it, and there's congruence that comes. We there's like an integrity of energy when so many people simulate that same type of vibration out into the world, it finds its resonant match and it expands. Yeah, so it does, doesn't so it? So what we're doing to left, yeah, it's amazing. It's like we're contagious. We are when it comes to having an awful lot of fear. Well, let's talk about that in a little while. But that's very contagious. But what you're talking about is bringing in the frequencies and acting them out and speaking them and so on. That is sending out a message which becomes contagious. So you activate a lot of people even when you walk by, right? Absolutely. And to get back to your point of that unlimited potential that I'll rephrase it as, how exponential we can be how expansive we can be our power to truly create and it it goes for me in a couple of different ways veronica because as for y'all listening it's like if you really think inside there can be an excitement um oh sense of wonder into it but then if you go deeper and tune in what part of you is like oh but that's too much i don't know how to take that in i'd like i wouldn't even know where to begin and that's I believe one of the biggest things that we can start sharing more with people, Veronica, is that unlimited potential in what we want to create and also taking it back into the embodied space and, and knowing that to create, to get to that unlimited, let's take it one step, one breath at a time. And you find mm -hmm. that after you take several steps that from where you got from A to Z on that scale, when you look back, you don't recognize who you were before because this confidence, this power to create in a different way that's so in alignment with the, a benevolent energy, which is really motivating the creation from you. Again, it's love that's leading it truly and the expression of that, which takes so many different forms. But when the mm -hmm. energetic, the, um, the essence of love leads it, and you can enjoy the journey instead of trying to get from the beginning to the end all in one fell swoop. That's how we create change not only in our personal life, but that's how we're creating change for all of humanity collectively. Hmm, it's so exciting. How did you get started on all this? Like, were you, did something suddenly hit you over the head and you woke up when you were, well, I don't know, when you were younger? <laughs> <laughs> oh that's my the God, old that's model, funny. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what hit me over the head was being born in the family that I was born in. And I said that was so much love. Um, I think I came in extremely intuitive and and was trained to become extremely empathic because of the conditions that I lived in and within the family dynamic. Um, and there was just a lot of fear and a lot of triggers. It's every night I'd go to bed thinking 
we would be at work. You know, it's something horrible is going to happen and I'd have to adjust to it. So that helped me to develop this very keen empathic ability, intuitive ability that I have. And the psychic part of it was always there. I always had visions and they would come in sporadically or I'd pay attention to them sporadically. Um, there was events. It's like I, I knew when someone was going to die. I knew when a baby was going to be born. I, I knew when I got married, that I was going to be married 18 years. That was going to happen. I, I would sense all these different things and they would come to fruition, but I didn't know what to do with that mm-hmm. in my and You probably didn't have anybody life. to talk it, to about it. Hey? Exactly. Exactly. And then um, right around my 40th birthday, I'm 53 right now. Around my 40th birthday, I, I, I was just done. Life felt pretty good, and it's like actually life was humming on all cylinders, according to what society says that you're doing to live a good life. I was vacationing, mm-hmm. and I had a beautiful wife, two beautiful daughters. We lived in a great house. We drove, you know, it, it was, everything seemed to look great on the outside, but I felt empty on the inside. It's like there had to be something more. There's got to be something more than this consumeristic lifestyle. And I reached out for help and I thought I was going to get someone to help to coach me and train me and to take my business to the next level. And like I said, that quickly turned to personal development work, but I was taken into what I call now cosmic shamanic experience. And through that experience, something opened up in me and it was amazing. It was a big forgiveness release, energetic expanding type of um, process I went in. But once that dam broke open, Veronica, I couldn't Mm -hmm. hold it back anymore. I started seeing people's auras. I started communicating telepathically with animals. I was having prophetic dreams and guides coming in, showing me during dream state or meditation state, different things that I was remembering that I could start applying in my life now. And from that point, again, that's, I, all I knew that I had to share this awareness that I was embodying with mm-hmm. other people because if my life can change so dramatically. I wanted everybody that I touched that I knew to have access to this as well. How about your kids? Did they go with you? <laughs> my daughters. Oh my God. My, my biggest lesson givers in the most beautiful way. Um, no, in the beginning they made fun of me. You know, it's, this was back then long before anybody was buying organic food or barely, um, you know, I was kind of granola in the aspects of it. So they'd make fun of me for driving 30 minutes to Whole Foods um, because I wanted organic food and almond milk. It, it was funny. Um, they used to make fun of me when I used to go sit in our backyard and meditate and do different things. Um, but I didn't take it personally. And what I started to do is playing games with them. And we start playing, okay, let's go find the parking space. And I'm going to say exactly where we're going to park. Um, and I was right 95% of the time. Um, I would have visions about their friends. Their friends would come over and I'd say, hey, did you talk to your dad about the thing that you wanted to change? They're like, how did you know about this? I don't know. It just came in. Um, I had different experiences. Did they love with it? my daughter's. <laughs> They, they were in wonder of it. It's like, what are you doing? That's weird. It's like, okay, we get it. We understand. And they started not accepting me, but they started opening up to feeling okay, that it was okay. Because I don't think that they were necessarily pushing me away, but they were probably more in the response of that their friends, that their circles would push them away if they would embrace any of this. 
Mm. Um, and again, I just, I normalized it. I made it very simple. I shared with them my different experiences, my travel to different places and our relationships changed. And I always had a great relationship with them, but there was a depth of intimacy with my daughters, the types of conversation, the engagement, a presence that became apparent also. It's not, so it's not just about creating a materialistic, the house where I want to live the, the career. It's for me, this work, it's about how we can deepen into intimacy with others. And, and it's beautiful, Veronica, because I'm discovering more and more that that's where the true abundance and the richness is, no matter how luxurious my life may seem on the outside. It's nothing if I don't have those other things in my life. Man, oh, that's a huge point, isn't it? What was your job before? Were you already into the human development world before your uh, awakening? Well, it's funny that you say that. Now, I have to hedge it a little bit. I have to say that I was always in it, but it was expressing in ways that were laid out through the environment that I grew up in. So I worked in real estate and commercial transactions, and I always acted as a translator for legal documents and putting things um, where people could understand it. So I was always translating information, if you will. Like I translate energy now that I receive into mm-hmm. something that's more accessible for people. So I believe the essence of what we're here to do, we're doing in one way or another, but it may take a much more linear approach. So if it's me working through an escrow or an insurance agency, but still honing my skills in different ways, and but also learning how to open up. And for me, it always comes down to why are we doing what we do? And mm. it shifted for me before it was to make a living, to make money so that I can feel comfortable or feel safe. And it shifted for me into something that was growing inside of me that had not just the purpose of serving myself, but the influence that I had through serving myself by being an example of what's possible when you let go of the suffering, when you let go of the guilt, when you open up that whatever you do has implications, not just for yourself, but for other people. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we get to shine that love in the world. And understand also where some of our actions can have negative effects on others. If we're not treating the environment right, if we're constantly consuming and, and not being in the humanitarian role, um, that, that has to come into balance. And it is um, if we're going to leave the world of suffering behind, like this promise of ascension is. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when we talk about, I love that explanation. I want to kind of zero in on something else here, which is when you talk about the awakening, the shamanic, uh, enlightening experience that you had and so on, what, uh, let me see, what is that? Do we, uh, does everyone need to have one of those real eureka moments, you know, like boom, something breaks inside, something pops open. Can you explain it as, a, as an episode or as a thing that actually happens to people? I have an experience I call I my nervous, I call mine my nervous breakthrough. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, there's things like the Saturn return, like in 28-year astrological cycles where people supposedly go through sure. like this the dying of the soul and reawakening. And, and there's people who've had near-death experiences that somehow they're connected to something else um, in the esoteric realm that, that perhaps isn't normal. I don't think everybody has to go through an experience like that. But I can tell you that inevitably what happens as we focus on our personal growth, 
and, and allow ourselves to love and to be loved the more that our limiting beliefs shed our self-doubt, our feelings that we don't think that we're enough, that we don't deserve to be loved for who we are for some reason, unless we're earning it. Um, that success is elusive. It's as those limiting beliefs start to shift, you start having those epiphanies, your world starts changing because you can no longer engage with the things that would keep you down anymore. So mm. if you would, those karmic cycles that we're living through in this lifetime, they shift. It's, I feel like we're spiraling up lifetimes instead of going through a normal birthing and death process and, and getting some of the lessons in this lifetime, like perhaps previous lifetimes were, if we get into that, I feel like we're spiraling several lifetimes in this lifetime and integrating so much. We're ascending so fast that we can. Yeah, and, wh- and why do you think that is? I think it's time. I think we're evolving truly as humans. Humanity has gone through these evolutions and how many thousands of years has it been since we've had a major break in the evolution of humanity and the way our brain functions and our energy functions and all that. Sure. I, mm-hmm. I think we're, we're, I think really organically we're at that time and the influences from the planet, the influence from our environment, um, how quickly we receive and translate information because of all the technology that is allowing us to attune to our ability to do That's that. That's right. Mm-hmm. I often so say computers take, are like training wheels for our intuition. Exactly. Oh, I love that. That's such a great, I'm going to use that if you'll let me. Please, um, please. Oh, no, no. I think it's something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah. So all the technology and everything that is happening in the world right now, it's all happening for us, not to us, Veronica. And if we can take mm-hmm. that approach and be curious about why it's happening for us and allow that, that impetus of forward motion to pull us into a greater expression of ourselves, which is always doing it in love, if we can see it in that way and attune to that, then we're in a period that we're evolving at such a rapid pace that, again, we don't recognize ourselves from, from one period to the next because we're not reacting from ways that which we've been taught environmentally yeah. through the way we grew and, up, through religion, through, yeah. And, and when you were talking about spirals, I really love that because my, my own guidance keeps saying, my own guidance, the guides that I talk to, <laughs> say that we could step out of karma, like that whole karma thing, because the frequencies mm-hmm. coming through are so fast and they're, you know, everything, the universe is always download new frequencies and we're taking on some pretty fast moving ones right now, apparently from out there. Do you hear that sort of thing as well? Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, three years ago, I thought I was going to write a book called The, the Death of Karma, The End of Karma. Oh, and good. <laughs> I should have written it. I should have written it three years ago because I truly believe that we're that we're in this space now. And well, I think it's I, a great way of explaining what you were saying too, don't you think? Yeah, 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 absolutely. But what I'm experiencing now is that we're in this trajectory where part of the anxiety that some people or many of us are feeling at different times, or the edge, we're walking in the edge of stepping into the new. And so not knowing, not being able to perhaps predict like we used to what's coming up, but feeling in the energetic momentum, not being able to create 
based on our past experience. So we can bring what we've accumulated from the past and who we've become and all that as a being in the present moment. But if we're creating anything new, if we're trying to build into something new, we can't repeat the same patterns from the past. Again, we bring the wisdom, but not the pattern. And so it's like we're in this in-between state that's shifting very quickly where we're learning on a step-by-step basis what our capacity is as these new human beings and the energy that we carry as creators. Um, And we're kind of fumbling a little bit through it as we get used to our, our sea legs and this new energy that we're walking on. What are we going to look like? (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful, luminous beings. What else? (laughs) Vibrationally alive, alive. I often, this is just a small aside and always amuses me. I go, it's so interesting that we're learning a lot about like things like DNA and so on. And we all have cell phones, cell phones, everything cells, cells, cell. And I go, ah, this is what we're changing through right now. Cells, not the phones necessarily. They're just to me a metaphor but yeah it's like all we have the intelligence being given to us or the language and and not in the passages we would expect right i agree i agree i guess the bible is our existence (laughs) uh yeah yeah and our church right (laughs) exactly yeah yeah because you're you're reading it aren't you so talk a little bit about evolution and awakening again, because I love what you said about uh, bringing luminous. What did you say about the shamanic stuff was bringing through higher beings and so on? Can you talk a bit about that for people and who do you bring through? How do you describe what comes through? Oh, my goodness. Well, when I first had that expansion of energy, again, I call it again, the breaking of the dam where I started seeing into realms that um, I was only glimpsing before. And, and I want to suggest to every, oh, God, no, not for a okay. second. Okay. Not for a second. Uh, now, there was a period of time when I was going through, um, through having some, I'll call them dense dreams that were coming in. And it felt like I was repatterning old thought forms and old beliefs and, and a lot of trauma that had come in. And during some of those dreams, it was, again, I, I would call them shamanic initiations. Um, like, something chasing a dream or things falling apart or people getting murdered in dreams. It was crazy energy that was running wow. through. Wow. And in several of those dreams, what the guidance came to me and, and it was these words that changed everything for me. And it took fear away in a way that I hadn't experienced before. I, I wasn't aware of the level of fear that I carried of different realms until mm-hmm. I had that experience until I transmuted it. And then it's like, Oh, wow, I don't have to be, I don't carry the same energy. There's a confidence and a light that emits from you when you recognize it. But in those dreams, and this can happen in, in waking life and meditation or in dream state. It's like when you're, when you're having that scary thing chasing you or trying to get your, or do harm in some way, Veronica, in each and every one of those dreams, I just, I would pause. And it was like a lucid type of dream practice that I was in how I knew to do to do this i have no idea because i didn't have any training in it i didn't know what lucid dreaming was but it just happened um hmm. i'd stop in the dream i turn around and look at whatever that thing was and stand and just emanate my light and just love always wins the light always wins 
And every time it would dissipate and it would go away, it would transcend, it would integrate. It's like that shadow was really an aspect of myself as well. And I would embody its wisdom and its mm-hmm. fear would just dissipate into something else. I, I guess it vibrationally joined me in what I was willing to receive from the higher octave. Um, so you think it was, it was something profound. like a metaphor of confining you until you could look at the confinement for what it is and get rid of it and sort of pop you up? Is it is that too simplistic? No, I, I, I think that's true. And, and I wouldn't necessarily say get rid of it, but really attune to it. Because I okay. think everything that we have in our experience, like I said, is here for us. And so whatever that energy was, that shadow, is it a power in me? Is it a shame? Is it a guilt? Is it a regret? Is it where I've given over to victimization because of past experiences? And what do I do with it now? And so I didn't have to carry the fear that I had when I was three years old. I could embrace it and bring it up with me. So for me, it's an attunement. And with that attunement, the wisdom, the love, and really any energetic pieces, if you will, soul aspects of myself that splintered off in the trauma had an opportunity mm-hmm. to re-embody and to provide me with a sense of even greater wholeness than I had before. And that can happen in an instant when you're doing your dream or whatever. Oh, my. I'm so glad it happened in dream because in dream say I don't have to live it out in my waking life. So it's so much faster and a lot less painful. Wow. And hey, this is a jumping around a bit, too, but I like doing that, actually. (laughs) But when you were little, when you were a small guy, did you have um, a sense of your own purpose, like really early? Yes and no. It's again, I grew up in a very chaotic environment, um, witnessed a lot of violence. And when I was witnessing the violence, I, I remember as young as three years old, maybe three and a half. Um, okay. I didn't understand. I just kept looking at my parents and in their arguments and, and other things that were happening around our life and, and just just crying and going, don't they know? If they just loved each other, all this would end. Right. If they just if they just if they just loved it, all this none of this would be happening. And so there's a suffering. It's like I didn't understand and it was confusing. So I had a very spiritual um soul to myself yeah, um, interpretation that, of that, things that, too eh? that i that i was aware of and i definitely consider myself an ancient soul as, as i look back into different things and how quickly i assimilate to a lot of these ancient teachings and i'll call them energetic technologies that are coming through for us um but as a young kid i always knew that something um was vibrationally often. And for many of us, when we feel that, we feel like we don't belong and things don't make sense. We're too empathic. We're too this. We're too that for other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it has its purpose. What do you think about yourself? Like, for example, had, um, I, I, don't, this, I guess I'm thinking of a lot of clients, maybe myself, I don't know. But looking at a child who's young and is, is very aware You know, I'm looking at my parents saying, if they only would just love each other, all this would be better or something, whatever it is you had. I remember my mom was really wild, and I'd say, she doesn't mean to be this way. I know that isn't who she really is. And I felt sorry Mm -hmm. for her, and I was about four, right? 
So, yeah. and, but I'm wondering how we, how easy, how easy is it to help little people to stay attuned? You know, it's pretty hard to keep them attuned to that brilliance in themselves, isn't it? Or do you know anything about that? Yeah, well, with kids, I, I, again, I think it's presence. I think mm-hmm. our presence is the biggest gift. And, you know, it's, I grew up with, you know, we'd be put in front of the TV from time to time. And, and luckily, we'd have computer games and all that. So I got to be outside, use my body a lot and all that. So it's with kids, it's being present, encouraging fantasy world like encouraging like reading to them and then reading back to you and interpreting and also with the kids with the sensitive kids it's important also to get them to use their critical thinking um, because if they can assimilate their critical thinking and attune to their emotions then they're they're just off to the races with so much consciousness so what happens as children um when we have specific feelings or when we had specific feelings, I'll speak for myself. Mm-hmm. When, if I had an anger come in, it's like, no, you can't be angry. That's not right. And it, they would stop it short. If I cried for too long, no boys don't cry. You can't cry. You can't come. And we stop the energy short. If, if our parents were busy, for example, if your mom was too busy and she kept trying to rush you up, not pay attention when you were feeling inadequate or when you're crying or even throwing the temper tantrum and instead of Mm -hmm. holding you and allowing you to express the full emotions and allow it to go through your body it stops short whenever we stop the emotions short it creates anxiety in our Mm. nervous system in our body is that funny there's so many young people with anxiety these days i'm trying to take that and make a kind of a big generalization about it. What do you think of that? Well, no, yeah, no, absolutely. And again, this is because we haven't been attuned to our emotions. So for us to be held and allow the anger to go all the way up and through or the sadness to go all the way up and through, or even our sensuality or sexuality to rise Mm -hmm. and to express in a way that's healthy, then that makes a huge difference in the world because now we can assimilate with different situations in our life and not try to bypass them, not try to cut them short like we were cut short when we were growing up. But I thought kids were allowed to emote and express these days, but yet the younger people have more anxiety than anything I ever remember knowing. I don't, I think they're maybe allowed to emote and to express, but not, they're not mm-hmm. being held in it. It's like, okay, okay, let me give you this privilege to do this, but can someone be present with them? Can someone really hold the space for it to come up and out? And perhaps kids are emoting and expressing, um, but I don't think it's in alignment with what the body is going through as well. With the authentic person, you probably could say, hey. Yeah, I would agree, Veronica. (laughs) What about your children? Did you find it easier to do that with them? Um, I think I did the best that we could. Again, there's always different things. And and each, all the kids, I mean, we can make generalizations about children. But again, each individual soul comes for their purpose, for their learning, for their expression. So we can have a model that supports them the best way possible. But we also have to understand that there's individual expressions that are being played out as well. And one model is not going to fix everything. 
So I think I attuned pretty well to my daughters and they still had went through their things. Um, their relationship with May was one thing. Yeah, their mm-hmm. relationship with their mother is another thing. And again, if, if we focus on the intention that we carry of being there for someone to authentically love them without trying to control an outcome, um, then we're allowing them into their expression, their artistry in life. And then they get to navigate their path authentically as well. Mm. And I think part of a lot of the suffering, at least when we grew up, and again, I'm in my 50s, what that there was a path. You, if you follow this formula, you'll be successful and you can mortgage your happiness until you retire. Um, if you, if you <laughs> That's a good to way retire. to put it, mortgage your happiness. Right? I like that. Yeah. 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 And so we are definitely teaching our kids a different model and technology is facilitating a different model, but we have to really allow for the differences um, to be received and how wonderful that the world is speaking to us in lots of different ways about diversity and acceptance and, and all that it's for me is a fractal of what we've been missing on an individual basis for our soul's evolution. I like that. So we're talking also about uh, evolution of the species or the changing worlds. That's probably a simpler way to put it. The changing worlds. Do you see the awakening is rippling through uh, humanity? Do, what, what do you think is happening with all that? And do you think it's global or you think it's just Hawaiian? Oh, my God, it's global. It's so it's everything. I'm that's teasing happening right you. Now is affecting everybody. Yes. Oh, it's like, yeah everybody and we're all going through our versions of it and i would say you know if a lot of listeners on your show have been doing their personal development work have been going in and and being with their beliefs and choosing something that is a that's more um benevolent for them that's more compassionate that's more in their passion um if their limiting beliefs are changing into a pattern that gives them more confidence instead of diminishing then Mm -hmm. you're in a good place other well, that people, should change the whole government. That should change the whole you, government and the whole way the society runs, shouldn't it? Well, I think the government and society will change as humanity changes because we're going mm-hmm. to insist on it because as we no longer allow toxic relationships in our lives as our limiting beliefs changes, then we're not going to allow toxic and toxic environments to lead our lives either. And that includes politics, the environment, toxic relationships. Um, it just, we won't put up with it. And we will insist on a different form of relationship. And I think that is awakening in lots of different ways. It's not going to change overnight because if you look at the consciousness of humanity, for the most part, they haven't been doing the work that y'all have been doing. Haven't no, been going true. into the deeper realms, but it is changing quickly. But and, also those again, of us who have, have been going through that are having an impact. You don't just do hit off one or two people. There are kind of waves coming off of people that are doing the work, right? There's huge waves coming off of people. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think we'd be where we are now in consciousness if all the people that have been doing the work hadn't been doing it. I really think that we've amplified each other in so many ways that are just the, the subtle realms are so vast that we can barely tap into just a few of what's available. And so our, our awareness of the implication of our actions and what we receive from others 
It's mm-hmm. so infantile compared to what's really available, but I can feel the waves of consciousness that are just creating these tsunamis of effects on the higher levels of access that we have into realms that insist on a balanced life, that insist on not only sustainability, but really abundance in this Mm -hmm. world and that are going to lead people into um, a society that is going to be collectively wealthy. Wow, won't that be wonderful? Now, I want to jump around because we're going to run out of time, and that's not good for me. I'm not done with you yet. Sorry. (laughs) But but you're... um, uh, what was it? Oh, the COVID thing. What? And I heard one of your interviews with someone else, and I heard um, this commentary that uh, she thought that COVID, we had all created it. I have a lot of different interpretations there as well. That COVID is actually really good for us in a certain way, but it's got its distaff side too. But um, the fact that we're all locked into uh, one thing—I don't remember anything being like that before except maybe taxes I don't remember or that something. Because I would have argued it with her because I don't believe that we've created it. That's just, the, okay. Oh, maybe good. Thank you that. for that. I, I don't believe that either. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because these theories, and I appreciate a lot of what's been said. But the thing about COVID, there is that unity of we're all in something together, which we haven't been conscious of in my lifetime, and I'm a lot older than you, John. <laughs> so I thought, you know, if you'd like to sort of, what do you interpret it as being? Because I know it's got some really tremendously powerful effect for us, probably even for yeah, those souls I would agree. past. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I want to trace back a little bit. If a speaker that says that on the show, I also have to give credence that I believe there's truth in everything. And okay. so did we create this in consciousness for the benefit of ourselves? Very possibly. It's, and that's being besides the point, COVID. I did, once the lockdown began, I got on Facebook and I, I launched the three-part webinar series just to put it out there because I was aware of the consciousness that was arising. And I said, welcome to Unity Consciousness. Wonderful. And it, it, it unified the world. In one particular event, in one particular event, in everybody, let's say 80% of the world population focused on COVID. And I would say it's probably an remarkable, mm-hmm. but, I'm, but I'm being generous. If, like billions of people all focusing their intention on a consciousness. Right. But what is the consciousness? And we bring awareness to it. What are we doing with that consciousness? How is this consciousness having a relationship with us? If it's happening for us, why is it happening for us? I don't believe we live in a world that wants to destroy us. I believe we live in a world and sources guide us how we can unify and to remember where it is that we come from. To remember mm-hmm. that unlimited potential that you talked about at the beginning of the call. And this is mm-hmm. a calling to pause, to pay attention, to remember that we're not separate from one another. And where do we choose to create once we slow down enough to get away from the distractions, from the consumerism, for those things that have taken us away from our intimacy within ourselves, because we've been too hyper-focused on outside of ourselves. 
That's true. And what, mm-hmm. when, we, when we do that, then what rises in our consciousness and says, hold on a second, this isn't working for me. The systems that I've created my life in don't satisfy this thirst of my soul that I'm allowing to finally stir because I've sat still long enough to pay attention. And so are you, it's really something, it's huge, yeah. The only thing that bothers me about some of that is, uh, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this kind of thing and feeling into it myself, but the fact that so many people are having terrible financial or home environment problems in the middle of it, I'm like, are we going to be fast enough to look after each other in unity consciousness? You, you see what I'm saying? I'm getting caught in the kind of conundrum parts of these little edges. No, I, I get that. There's mm-hmm. financial issues. There's people with health problems. That There's people who've been homeless. There were, it's the, the economy shape. It's shifting for them individually. Um, mm-hmm. I think solutions are going to be formulated. I, I yeah, think and somebody was talking about it, the whites, widespread COVID amongst migrant workers, and they're not even allowed to admit it because they'll get kicked out of the country. It's like those kinds of conundrums. Yeah, there's lots of different things that it's, things have to come into balance. And so where is it in our consciousness when we are attuned to it that we start forming solutions on a local level instead of waiting for the national world level to to create solutions as well. Um, because the like time that. of waiting for others to lead for us has stopped, Veronica. And with this awakening, we're being asked to mature as mm-hmm. human beings. We're being asked to mature spiritually. And we've been taken care of for a long time or we've relinquished our maturity to a power that made it convenient for us to do so. That kept us in tidy religion. little limitations. Eh? <laughs> well, but, but we let them. We said, yeah, yeah I know. comfortable mm-hmm. here. And so the, the call here now is for us to go back within ourselves, go back to local community. And, and I believe that, I believe, and then this could shift because of timelines also, but I believe that more power politically is going to come into local governments and a central government will be the support of a council of various local and regional governments that know what to do for their people more mm-hmm. intrinsically than, mm-hmm. than a long arm from across, you know, thousands of miles away that isn't really attuned to the needs of the people that they're serving. Um, mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting change. And with any big change, there's things that fall apart. Anybody who's gone through a big personal development awakening, you, you know some things fall out of your field. They're you no betcha. longer in residence, and, and you adjust. You attune, and you find that the other side of that, there's liberation, there's compassion, um, there's unification that occurs. Yeah, and maybe the central part won't all be about the money. Maybe it'll be about being there to nurture the entire family sort of thing, you know? I would agree. And and I would say the governments now have that as well. You know, we see at the money parts and what's controlling what. And I'm, I believe even at the national levels and every government that there is good, that there's people that are intrinsically public servants, not just in oh, their individual. Wonderful. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to add light to that because when we make these broad commandments and we condemn 
these organizations that are serving us just in a blanket statement, we're adding to that energy. And, and Paul, this is a quote from Paul Selig, but I'm just using it over and over again because it's, it's, it's true. What we condemn condemns us. Mm-hmm. What we bring light to lights up. And so let's focus instead of just pointing out things that are wrong. If we're going to point out what's wrong, let's focus a solution on top of it. Well, uh, that so, I brought up nur- just in defense of myself. I bring up maybe we'll learn to nurture each other. That's what I'm trying to say. Well, to have a nur- not maybe nurturing we'll learn. environment. Not maybe we'll learn. Look, you're doing it right now. Look what you're doing, sharing this with a larger audience. It's like this well, is true. one of your expressions of doing that. And again, it's let's pause for a second and recognize. Wait, something is already here. So. Again, when I had my very linear nine to five job or things that I was in before, I was still doing what I'm doing now, just in a different form. So mm. it's like, well, maybe I can do something. No, what are you actually doing now? And as you bring consciousness and awareness and presence to that, it'll evolve and people will start receiving it and it starts to grow. And then you find out that maybe you were a local, maybe you're just serving yourself or maybe your individual family, but as you allow yourself to be it and recognize it, it becomes this exponential life for other people to see as the beacon that you are of change. Mm-hmm. I want that. I have great faith that the change is, is right here. And when you were speaking, I kept seeing all the realms that you're tapping for wisdom and inspiration mm. Uh, uh, that that just it's not the limitation. What I'm saying is our vibration doesn't just go laterally. It we infuse it, we spiral it up and down. I think it's a really exciting time of change. Mm-hmm. I agree. Right. For it's all of so us. It's so exciting. Yeah. It's exciting, and and I also understand that a lot of people are suffering through it, and and mm-hmm. so our compassion, if. if if we don't know what to do, if there's, if you don't think that there's anything that you can do now, or you're just not being guided in it, anybody listening, if you just wake up and send out just from your heart a wave of compassion and love, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, that, that alone, in consciousness, in presence, has healing effects that you can't even begin to understand, but you can feel it as you do it more intentionally. Allow that feeling to be your guide. I love that, John. That's really wonderful. That's a great service. What are you going to be doing now? Um, how can we catch up to you? Are you going to still? Are you going to stay out there beyond the ordinary? Oh heck yeah! So we've got Beyond the Ordinary Show, and y'all can find that on beyondtheordinaryshow.com. And I interview, you know, like amazing speakers like Veronica, like you, um, and psychics <laughs> and channels, you. and we just have these conversations that have been kept in the dark for too long. We're normalizing them and, and we're expanding with them. Uh, so Beyond the Ordinary is fantastic. Um, doing a big launch of a new website. That's coming soon. Um, going out into mainstream media to, again, make this conversation normal. So that's Oh, are you going to have your own show, John? I think that's eventually media? in the work for... That's eventually in the works, but we're doing more of national type of um, television shows that are coming up and are interested in perhaps having me on as a spiritual consultant to have regular segments and, again, to have these conversations. Wonderful. You're the perfect person for it. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. It'll be fun. 
I have to sign off, but uh, how can we, uh, do we go onto a mailing list or will you keep us all uh, posted? Yeah, we'll keep you informed. So when you go to Beyond the Ordinary show, it is going to ask for your email address so we can let you know what shows are coming up and send you some bonuses and meditations as well. So there's just a lot of value on the show. It doesn't cost anything to attend. Um, and then the speakers that come on offer, offer specials. If you want to go deeper with them, there's an opportunity, but there's never a hard sale or anything else. It's just like, it's really a service to the community. And so when you sign up there, I'll, I'll keep you posted of all these other things that are coming up also that are really exciting for all of us. And it really is a great title, Beyond the Ordinary, which you surely are, and all your listeners are uh, too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's an amazing community. Great. Well, and this is Veronica Antwistle saying thanks to John Burgos, who represents Beyond the Ordinary and lives Beyond the Ordinary himself as a healer, mm. teacher, and media mogul. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on, John. I've enjoyed it thoroughly, and we've only touched the edge of it all, you know. Oh, my goodness. It's so much fun. Thank you. An honor to be here with you and with all of y'all. Okay. Thank you so much. Many blessings. All right. Bye-bye. Bye now. Mm-hmm.